Welcome to How You Spend Your Days. My name is Colin, and today I'm joined by Katherine Schweitzer. Hi, everyone. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. So I have a big update. Um, if you've been listening to the show, this is episode 11, and I've mentioned the infamous uh, spreadsheet, I think, in just about every episode, this, the numbers that I'm going to be releasing. And so that spreadsheet is now done. Uh, and we're going to be diving into that in episode 12, so that you can get your own copy of that so you can track your own uh, money journey, and also follow along with the show and see my own uh, journey of becoming debt free. Uh, there are a bunch of things that have been pulled from Vicki Robbins book, Your Money or Your Life, uh, in terms of being able to track your monthly income and expense trends, uh, just so you can get a better sense of how you are doing uh, in terms of uh, both inputs and outputs in your financial life. So, uh, so look forward to that next week. But uh, today I'm really excited to talk to Catherine. Uh, we've uh, known each other for a while through a running group in town. Uh, and you reached out after listening to a couple episodes uh, with your own goals. And I'd actually seen that you had posted something on Instagram about hitting some financial goals and had made a note to reach out to you and, and you, you beat me to it. So welcome. Thank you. So I think what what's most fascinating for me about when you reached out was that you had this um this document this living document that you keep uh which is a narrative of your your own financial goals um and also kind of how you think about money and where where does something like that come from for you I think it comes from, I don't know, my upbringing. My parents were really into, still are really into personal development and personal finance. So my mom always had Tony Robbins around the house, Susie Orman, all those sort of books by people who thought of themselves as larger than life personalities. Mm -hmm. And the idea of being able to tell a story about yourself has always resonated with me, even though I'm not a larger than life person, I don't think. I have a unique journey and I want to know what that is for my own sake. And when you get a chance to share it with other people, it's good when you've, I don't know, rehearsed the highlights in your head before. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, this has definitely prompted me to want to write my own. Uh, and for those of you listening, um, what was really interesting is that it, it kind of starts off with um, how Catherine thinks about uh, money and kind of her relationship with money uh, and then goes through um, experiences that she's had. So, um, the big one being living paycheck to paycheck and wanting to move away from that. Um, but writing down like what your experience was with living to paycheck to paycheck, which we'll get into in a second, um, I think was really interesting because you're writing down like how did that make you feel? Um, you know, things that probably you don't want to have to go back to ever again. Uh, and then you get to record some more of your achievements so that you can kind of see these signposts of things that you did to get away from that situation of living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and I could see how for me, this might be different accomplishments that I'll have, you know, and towards getting out of debt, towards getting out of that invoice to invoice or paycheck to paycheck um, lifestyle. Uh, and then your kind of uh, habits, which are for you, modifications to the Dave Ramsey method, um, which I think uh, has been pretty successful for you. So I think um, I think I'll probably be writing my own narrative like this, and I'll I'll release that. We're gonna we'll keep yours under wraps uh, for you to share with whoever you like to share. But uh, I learned a lot from it, and I really value um, you know really appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, so I think we can just jump into some of these things. And uh, um, what's kind of the the biggest um, hurdle that you had uh, in getting to where you're at today? 
Yeah. A lot of the literature talks about being intentional with your money. And that was a huge shift for me. I've always been frugal by nature. So I tried not to live beyond my means. But if you don't consciously know what your means are, it's hard to track whether you're living beyond them or not. So I encountered uh, Dave Ramsey's book, The Legacy Journey, which uh, has its subtitle, A Biblical Approach to Wealth and Generosity. And I loved that it was a book by a Christian about wealth building Mm -hmm. and why it's okay to want to be wealthy, which in many people's mindset is not something that most evangelical Christians hold as a part of their belief or their journey through life. So in that book, which is largely about how do you preserve wealth, how do you pass it on to future generations, he did talk about the baby steps, which is the key to his total money makeover and financial peace university. But step one is just getting $1,000 in an emergency saving fund. And when I read that in 2016, thought I've been a full-time professional for three years, I make a good amount of money, but I don't have $1,000 dedicated for emergencies. I could come up with that $1,000 or I could use a credit card to cover most of it. But um, yeah, that was a mind-blowing realization. A lot of people don't. And uh, I've listened to his Total Money Makeover book. And that that first step was pretty imprinting on me as well in terms of that. Like, you know, we've, after having worked for this long, like, what do you have to show for it? Yeah. Um, some safety net and security and all of that. So, yeah. And I have, um, because of my employer's uh, mandatory retirement contribution, I'm doing great in terms of retirement savings. So that's a long term asset. But in terms of short term assets, no. So after, um, finding Dave Ramsey, it sounds like some of those things made sense, um, for you. And I imagine some of those, you know, you had to try to make some modifications to, to fit um you we we talked a little bit about how you used to use some tools like mint um, yeah. things to to categorize and how does that work for you in terms of like how do you currently um track how much you're spending or how did you come to the realization of you know what your inputs and outputs were yeah let me talk about what i did to get out of the living to paycheck to paycheck systems cuz it's different from what i do now um mint was really helpful in curbing my tendency to eat out and to drink out and just generally be lazy about how I was meeting my basic food needs. Mm-hmm. And that was the category that once I cut that down, it really helped me see the extra money, not really extra money. It was the money that was always there in my paycheck, but I'd been spending it on, I don't know, stopping at have a fast food place before I got home from uh, after a day of work right. when if I really just delayed my hunger for 30 minutes, <laughs> I could eat something at home. But it was just a daily habit that I had to eat at work, to eat on my way home from work. It was like a treat that I felt like I had earned it. And of course, food and drink are things that we need to nourish our bodies. And we do need to reward ourselves for a job well done. But when it's coming at the expense of other goals that you have, yeah, Mint allowed me to categorize those daily sorts of purchases. And that was helpful for the year that it really took me to build up that ability to pay for my expenses for the future month with the past month's earning. Mm -hmm. But I don't do it now because after a while, once you've reined in your tendencies to spend in sort of lazy or unthoughtful ways, 
it can make you a little neurotic if yeah. you're looking at each purchase and feeling anxiety or scarcity. And so I no longer use Mint to do that. Uh, instead, in my bank, it just allows you to retitle what the purchase is rather than the purchase being the name of the place gotcha. at which you purchased it. I'll retitle it uh, Pinot Grigio from Maverick rather than just <laughs> Maverick. And that will allow me to realize, oh, how many times am I buying wine at the gas station right. on the way home? Right. Did we or, buy gas? Let's just categorize that as gas. Exactly. <laughs> so Mint was helpful for probably three years mm-hmm. before I encountered Ramsey and his way of doing things. And then as I was trying to, I don't know, stop some of the spending that wasn't intentional. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, I mean, I still feel that urge. Like, I've been able to curb a lot of my um, eating out and going out to drink and things like that, especially after we counted, you know, and looked at, like, how much of that um, was just going to waste. Because while I enjoy going out, um, and it was a treat, and it was something that we we feel like we earn – um, there are other ways to get that. And I still feel that urge, like, you know, like we talked about here, like we can, we can make coffee at the office. Right. So why do we feel that need to go spend money to go get coffee at a coffee shop? Cause you had uh, like 50 <laughs> coffee visits in one month, right? Yeah. Is that the number? Yeah. yeah. No. So, and as a freelancer, like, you know, I'll find myself like working out of a coffee shop and then, but then again, we have the office here and I can come right. to it and I don't have to do that. Um, so I think, I mean, just writing down every single one of those was more helpful than using Mint for me um, because I had to write it down every time I did Right. It. That's almost like the YNAB method. Yeah. Because with YNAB, uh, you need a budget. Their online tool, instead of hooking up with your bank account or your credit card to manual or to not manually, but automatically transfer mm-hmm. your purchases, that physical act of, yep. of typing or writing. Yeah. And I have my spreadsheets are all manual, too. So that's all manual. I still do use Mint. To get the general trends um, and over like overall categorization, like when I am feeling lazy and I just want to know like what was the food and drink category compared to last month, right? Um, and they do a good job of that, but you know sometimes they can get it pretty wrong. Like you know you buy something at a gas station or whatever, and they don't know what to categorize it as, right? Um, and so yeah, hopefully you're not trying to like buy things at different places to, to trick mint because um, you're only going to be tricking yourself there. But um, yeah, that's super interesting. And I think the other part of that now is that now that you have reined in that kind of stuff, you don't, uh, you, you haven't like cut that out, obviously. You still treat yourself. And right. how do you do that today in an intentional way? Yeah. After, after years of using mint, I've realized that 200, excuse me, not 200, $750 is the amount of money that I um, can intentionally spend on fun things and some necessities. I put my gas in there as well, but running shoes, clothes, books, school supplies, uh, subscriptions, all of that for me can fit within $750. So as a way to track myself throughout the month, because I do like knowing on a day to day basis whether I'm on track, mm-hmm. um, I'll just divide 750 by the number of days left in the month. So that's $25 a day. Some days I don't spend any money. Some days I spend four times that amount. But it helps me realize if I am spending double that every day, I need to cut back. Or if I haven't spent money in four days, maybe I can loosen up. So that helps me stay sort of in equilibrium where I'm not buying too much, but I'm also not feeling like I have to hoard 
the money that I've allocated to me enjoying being a person in Mm -hmm. a city where there's lots of things to do and things to eat. Right. So you've set yourself that uh, kind of sliding $25 a day scale so that you can be intentional about it. You kind of, in your head, you can deduct what that looks like. And then at the end of the day, you can check check that again. Um, And then you have, I'm assuming, then you have these buckets that you can kind of assign the rest of your money to each month so that right. you don't even have to worry about Yeah, that. with utilities, um, mortgage, those sorts of payments that are fixed from month to month. I, I guess I'm curious, um, do you, have you ever felt the scarcity mindset or felt the confines of it? Because um, I think that was something that I definitely had to wrestle through. It's like not being trapped by the anxiety of knowing that you need to change. Like when I wanted to stop living paycheck to paycheck, at the same time, I was getting prepared um, for my wedding. So there were lots of expenses that were specific to that point in time, but I didn't want to um, not engage fully in right. that activity, which sometimes means buying new clothes, buying things for friends, trips that you might not have otherwise taken to seeing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I both had the goal of wanting to match my expenses to my income, but also wanting to do a bunch of fun things at a period of time in my life. I had to make sure that I wasn't restricting myself in a way that I would regret not having done things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting one because I think in some cases that's, uh, when I look back at like what got me into debt, it didn't tend to be things that I was, you know, for me, it ended up being like actual expenses that had to go on credit cards because of um, just tumultuous cash flow from being a freelancer and um, and not being able to have money. That, like I basically took a pay cut and paid our employees and things like that. So I was using credit to extend my cash flow, but beyond any means of like you're saying, like double spending on days that should not have happened. Um, and then now that I'm tightening everything up, I think that that you bring up a good point there. Um, And the way that I combat that more scarcity mindset or like having the place of like coming from a place without would be finding replacements for those things. I mean, even to this day, like, you know, some of those things, it feels slightly neurotic to like feel that urge to go to the coffee shop um, when I have coffee at home. Uh, and it's just not the same. And maybe it's the social aspect of it. Um, and so I need to look for places to make sure that if it's the social aspect, how do I get that in a different right. way? Um, if it's a trip, I think that, you know, I would still like to be able to do um, trips. I need to be very careful about which ones which ones are we going to take. Are they, you know, they, I don't necessarily want to make all my vacations work trips, but the idea of doubling that up so that maybe I'm meeting a client and I have an extra day in a place uh, and that really helps with that. So, you know, I've not had to consciously cut back on spending in areas outside of food and drink. So, <laughs> uh, like it was, which is amazing. Like I was just logged onto Amazon and it's like, I haven't bought anything on here in a long time. And it isn't because I was not allowing myself to or going without things. Um, so for me, that's just my my financial personality. But I know that for other people, you know, maybe they don't spend a lot of money on food and drink, but going shopping or whatever that might be. Uh, is a different case and taking that away may you know it's hard to replace that with something else right whereas the social aspect of going and you know meeting people at coffee shops and and or drinking or dinner or whatever that might right. be 
um, is a little easier to replace. Yeah. Although it's funny, most of my eating and drinking out was by myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I do love being with people, but it's easier for me if I'm in a group setting to only drink rather than also having dinner. Right. So I felt for some reason that it was easier to control what I was spending with the group. But in terms of just treating myself and yeah. I don't know, rewarding myself, that was where <laughs> I got into trouble. Yeah. I mean, that that basically that happens a lot with freelancers or anyone who has like an hourly rate too, because oftentimes people will rationalize, you know, this coffee, it costs this much and I'm going to be working for an hour. And right. so the hourly rate, you know, makes that make sense. Um, and in some cases it does. If that truly makes you productive, then it might be absolutely worth it. Um, but oftentimes I think then we can just use that as a crutch too much. Um, and for a lot of people like myself included, it tends to flow into other things. Like if you're, uh, just working too much, uh, and you're too busy, right. Too busy to cook, too busy to do all these other things. And then you're not even paying attention to where you're spending your money. Right. Um, you're not doing check-ins, you're not doing other healthy things. Like, you know, we both like to run. It's like all those things fall to the wayside, when you're really busy and then you have to hit pause and take a look at how everything's doing and it's probably not doing great. <laughs> it's funny how many of my girlfriends became also running friends once they realized that um, you can do an activity together like run club. You're starting at the same time. You might not run the same distance, the same pace, but you'll end at the same place altogether. Right. And that was helpful for a number of my friends who we otherwise would have met each other over drinks or over a meal meet each other at run club yeah yeah and our, our running club is the mckellar running club which is it ends at drinks right it does so. end at drinks <laughs> so there's the best of both worlds there so um yeah and i think like i mentioned i think in the last episode that paying attention to money has really made me pay attention to all the things you know health sleep um, what I'm actually eating instead of picking up something because it's fast and convenient or a treat, um, but actually making the time to make sure that I actually can make enough meals. And that tends to be my situation is, you know, I was up too late and so I didn't, you know, make food in the morning or whatever that is. And you just don't feel as in control when, when that's happening. Um, but yeah, and for me, thankfully, you know, I don't have to worry about, um, anyone else in, you know, in terms of, you know, an economic unit, it's just me. Um, but how do you uh, work now that you're married? Like, how does that work for you? Yeah, a lot of the impetus for, um, for saving, personal savings, not retirement savings in my life came when I knew that we'd be getting engaged. And when I knew that we'd, we'd set a date for the wedding. And after that time, we'd be thinking of ourselves as a single economic unit. We decided not to fully combine finances, my husband and I. Our paychecks are both distributed in our separate checking accounts. But early on, when we moved in together, we realized that $600 was the magic number in terms of groceries, home items at Home Depot, or just random eating out. We actually don't really eat out much together. Mm -hmm. But $600 is just the correct number in terms of the non-utilities, non-rent expenses. So we just deposit that into the, the joint checking account, pay our um, monthly expenses that have to do with eating and enjoying ourselves yes. through that. Um, but yeah, one of the reasons why I think I'm so in touch with my sort of financial narrative is because over the last two years of living with my husband, yeah, I have to understand how I process decisions 
and how he does and how to, um, I don't know, work together towards shared goals. We bought our first house a couple months ago, saved up a year um, for our down payment, and that required thinking through, well, what could we each contribute to right. that account? Um, for me, it had to be more of a, a monthly goal because I had less cushion in my budget. So I really needed to think, okay, what do I need to do on a daily basis to make sure that I can hit that goal um, for my husband because he's such a saver um, and spends much less money on things. <laughs> it was less of a sort of daily thing, but uh, that was just such an achievement to do together. Oh, congrats. Thank That's you. Awesome. Um, and so with that, then, um, so you guys both that 600 that you're talking about, you both put 300 into this joint for that. Um, and then you also mentioned that you kind of, your job is to take care of the mortgage. So how does that work? Yeah, we've just divided up the, I don't know, the electronic layer, uh, labor of who sends the payments. So we, we divide all of our expenses, uh, equally in half because we make approximately the same amount of money, but, um, he does uh, you know, our five utilities and I do our one um, place that we send our mortgage payment to, or before that, uh, the one place that we sent our rent payment to. And I think that makes it fair. And it gives both of us a stake in making sure that every month the numbers look on trend. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both pretty type A Excel spreadsheet sort of people. <laughs> so he has a detailed spreadsheet of all of our utility expenses over the last three years that we've been living together. And I have a detailed, you know, spreadsheet about um, the things that I control. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, I mean, in relationships, money tends to be a stress point. And one of your financial achievements you put down was that you had not ever had really any fights around. Yeah, we haven't, which is amazing because we've been together since June 2015. So that's that's a long time (laughs) that we could have been fighting. We're both... We're both pretty open people, naturally. And I think that really helped. But we also set a precedent early on in our dating relationship of knowing, I think, maybe three weeks in, what each other made mm-hmm. and what each other thought was reasonable to spend right. on things. I don't know. You want to be dating someone who... um It's really nice when they share exactly your same personality. But even if you don't, just to know why they value whatever they value. Um, so my husband and I, as I said, are both pretty frugal people, but it, uh, I don't know, it's been helpful to not be judgmental about other people's purchases. So my husband doesn't drink. So the eating and drinking out category, he does not have that. He right. doesn't eat or drink out with his friends. It's just not something that they do, whereas I very much do, or as I've said, I do alone too. <laughs> but also um, my husband has way more... Uh, Expenses in the entertainment category. He has his gaming subscriptions and making sure that his gaming equipment is updated. He also has two cars that he likes to modify. Mm-hmm. So we, I think, even out in terms of the purchases that individually make us happy. I have clothes and books. He has cars and games. Right. But having the separate checking accounts from which our paychecks come helps us to not even be tempted to really judge each other's purchases. I mean, we do have our accounts that both go into the personal capital tracking account. Right. So we both could check what each other is spending money on. And sometimes we do that. But there's conflicting advice in the financial world about whether you should be communicating about every single purchase 
And I think that's definitely the Dave Ramsey approach is that you're one team bringing in money. You should be one team in the spending money. Right. Just find it a little bit exhausting to, <laughs> um, I don't know, to have my husband be like, oh, you spent this much on that. Right. Or for me to say, oh, you bought a new thing. Did you need to, you know, yeah. you, you get into justifying mode. Right. And I don't know if that, that's that, I the think, best. is where the fights happen. Exactly. And, I, and the judgment. And I think, like, what, what I really liked about reading that was that it, you've outlined a system that you can, you know, at the end of the day, everything falls down to that system. And uh, in a good way, right? Yeah. And so it's pretty clear to both of you how money works in the relationship. And I've seen that in a few um, very successful relationships where money tends to not be the factor and then that frees up all this you know bandwidth to actually focus on all those other things that are yeah (laughs) i think both of us um are very clear about what our parents have respectively done well in terms of their ways of handling money and what sort of things we want to emulate in our own relationship um and knowing the sort of overall goal towards which we're working which is definitely wealth building and i don't know how many couples are explicit with each other that they want to build wealth together. I mean, I think a lot of people are explicit with each other that they want to have fun together, that they want to cover their bases together in terms of their finances, but like actually building wealth. And I think that's why um, the Ramsey book, The Legacy Journey, really stuck with me. It's because it's thinking about what you as a couple or you as an individual are doing on the long term and what legacy you'll have towards your names and your efforts. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, even looking at, you know, a spreadsheet or um, how much you spent today or whatever that is, it's very easy to get caught up in what did I do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? Instead of that long term, like, what do I want to, what do I want to be at the end of the year? Where do I want to be in five years? Um, And I can imagine like this same system that you have allows you guys, you know, one, to buy the house that you just purchased. Um, But if you have this bigger goal, like, do you want to go? on a longer trip or a you know sabbatical type thing or whatever that might be being able to move away from living paycheck to paycheck and then make those shared goals i think really helps and um and I, some of the there's a uh, there's a book for startup founders especially startup founders who have who are in relationships because that tends to be another point of um of fighting and stress and all this stuff and tends to come from scarcity um was that if you can't you know, if you're not making the same amount of money, even looking at whether or not you can split expenses like percentage wise based on your income or something like that, where really doesn't matter what it is, as long as you both agree and appreciate, you know, what each person's bringing to the table. And, um, you know, and this is going to go for any kind of relationship that you're in too. So, I, you know, I see some of this stuff even in roommate situations where everything is not exactly equitable and it's just like total chaos at all times. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but. I can't. I can't tell you how good it felt when we paid for our honeymoon, which we took um, a, a number of months after our wedding, just up front. Yeah. Like both of us would have, you know, put that on a credit card to be paid off later. I mean, very quickly later. We, n- mm-hmm. Neither of us have carried balances, but um, just being intentional of saving up for something or allocating a portion of whatever you're spending that month towards that category. It's just a really good feeling. Absolutely. But I can't believe that I didn't do it for so many years of my life where I was earning money. Yeah. That is a, that is a feeling that I look forward to. <laughs> um, with that in mind, what is your relationship with like credit cards and debt today? 
Yeah. Thankfully, I am debt-free. Um, I know that a lot of that has to do with my parents being generous with funding my college education, but also um, being very clear that you should not live beyond your means. And so I do have a, I have one debit card. I have one credit card. Some of the purchases go on a credit card just because it seems like if I would need a refund on that item, it might be easier yeah. with a credit card rather than the debit card. I don't know if that's actually true. <laughs> um, a little easier to dispute charges, I guess. And Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but knowing knowing that I can pay all of my expenses for the upcoming month with the previous month's income, it's just amazing yeah. to feel. It's no longer being worried about what might happen the month ahead because I know that the month ahead would be covered by this month's labor than the income that I get from that. And so um, now that I know exactly how much I bring in and what I should not be exceeding in terms of my monthly spending, mm -hmm. it is, it's pretty simple. Now that I'm no longer living paycheck to paycheck and saving a chunk of money towards personal goals every month, I no longer need to be as, I wouldn't say vigilant because I feel like I still am vigilant, but a sort of negative hyper-awareness that I needed to be when I was breaking bad habits and right. lazy spending. And it really is freedom. That's something that um, in the sort of Ramsey personality community, they say a lot whenever someone pays off their debt, they like shout freedom in Braveheart <laughs> voice. And um, it really does feel freeing. One of the reasons why I stopped using Mint because uh, I was just spending too much time categorizing things and making sure things looked perfect and and doing trend analysis when I realized it's good that I want to spend time to work on myself, but I could spend those five or 10 minutes doing more planks or doing my Duolingo language learning app yeah. or things like that. So I would encourage anyone who is in the throes of needing to be hypervigilant that once you get out the other side and just change your habits in terms of eliminating the unnecessary spending – man, life is really good. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like you still are pretty vigilant. You you checked your spreadsheet every day. I do check my yeah. spreadsheet every day. I think they tell you not to do that and especially <laughs> not to do that with your retirement accounts. But I don't know. I just want to make sure that all my money right. is in the places it should be. And I also want to make sure that my relationship to credit card debt, you know, the monthly debt that I also know what that is. So mm -hmm. I'm that person who like every five days will pay off whatever my credit card balance is just so that in my checking account, I can have a closer approximation of where I am for that goal. Yeah. yeah and I, I think even just checking your daily like number from that 750, I think is a useful thing. I think that's something that I might adopt just because I don't necessarily need to check every number every day, but knowing, you know, if I'm very off, you know, and I'm going to be at a higher velocity or the end of the month is right. going to be over, then that's bad. Uh, and so especially when I do have certain goals that I'm trying to hit, I think adopting something like that. Uh, and even for me, like with that ex certain expense category of, you know, food and drink or whatever that might be for you, you know, trying to get it to come down instead of making it come down and, and instead actually paying myself a certain amount that I can draw from each month so that when that does run out, then there's just no more of that, uh, which I know is a little bit like the envelope system uh, of budgeting. But I think being able to look at that every day and just kind of figure out like, yeah, maybe you do go out for a nicer night one night and you might dip into the next day, but then maybe you have, you know, a no spend day or whatever that yeah. might be too. So 
For me, I've found that I can really easily do three no-spend days in a row if they're work days where I'm bringing my lunch to work and not buying gas to go to work. So a lot of times I'll almost feel like it's a challenge. Oh, I'm below the number that my uh, discretionary funds should be at. Mm -hmm. Okay, that means I need to find ways to treat myself that don't cost money. And then if you just do that for two days, then you're back on track. Yeah. What do you do? You end up end up with extra money in that discretionary amount, or do you kind of clear it out, treat yourself? I clear it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. It seems like because I have gas in there, I have um, books I might need, uh, clothes. I don't know. You can get a lot of things in seven fifty. You're fitting your wish list into that. I am. Yeah. Amazon wish list and your (laughs) your gas and gas is one of those things where, like, if you're taking from that number, it's very easy to go through more than twenty five dollars. Right. Right. Certainly. You know, hopefully a a week or two. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's. I don't know when I think. Okay, if I only want to spend like under five dollars today, I better make that five dollars count. Yeah. That's a really good way to think about it. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I think that's about it. I just am so excited that people are wanting to talk about money. Absolutely. So uh, when I found out that you had this podcast, I was like, I want to talk to you about yeah, it. I was very happy to find that you reached out and I'm glad to be recording now. And um, I think there are other people at home listening that are striving to hit certain goals. And I think, you know, moving away from scarcity mindset, moving away from that paycheck to paycheck is one of the biggest things that we can do to just not have as much stress and anxiety that it feels like everybody has now. Um, And even looking at, like you had mentioned early on, you know, do I have $1,000 in savings that could be used for an emergency? Um, Moving away from you know, not having a safety net into that place where you can have true freedom is is a big deal. So uh, if you uh, would like to talk about your own financial journey, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can check out the show online at howyouspendyourdays.com. Um, there is uh, Instagram and Twitter, which is at howyouspend. Uh, and of course, you can send us an email at howyouspend at gmail.com. And uh, that'll be it for episode 11. Thank you so much, Catherine. You're very welcome. And we will uh, catch you at the next uh, next run. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. 